Hi guys, welcome to another Friday. It's thank God it's Friday story time. Today's episode is I was offended, yet I was sentenced. Enjoy listening. She was the unfaithful one. But I'm the one found guilty and sentenced. Perhaps your crime doesn't matter if you're the one pronounced dead. It's been five years now since I was convicted. Totally disconnected from the entire world. My small self is all I have. My name is Obed Castro. I'm 43 years old and I am in for allegedly killing my wife. Rosie, as I fondly call her, was my better half. She was a head toner and she had every other quality that I wanted in a woman. I met her for the first time in a sports festival organized by Notice Energy Drink. You need to see her energy, her smile and her doggedness. She led a team of five coordinating and organizing. She practically pushed them to victory. Since that day, I started making contacts to get a contact. I think she was busy at the moment as she never gave me attention till several months later. When she finally replied my chat, I had to celebrate. While I was dating, I was always the faithful one. I joked around with ladies and teased them a lot, but dating was a serious business for me. So I kept it secret. Most people believed I was promiscuous, but only few people who really came very close understood me. I wasn't dating most of the time. serious with one person as to dating. I set a limit for every other person. I dated just two people before Rosie and since I met her I felt I should, I should stop searching. She gave me peace of mind and somehow had common sense too. That was rare.
she understood my every move and we planned our future together. She wasn't fair and tall like I imagined my wife would be but I was ready to let go of all that as I had found the priceless peace of mind and common sense in her. My precious jewel, on Thursday, 23rd of February 2013, took my ring and pledged her faithfulness to me before God and man. And just four years, just four years down the line, she shared my honeypot with another fellow. I trusted her and I never cared monitoring her phone or her movements even though I thought sometimes that she has seen the world and nothing could make her derail. Sometimes when she gets too busy with her phone I will raise concerns and she will drop and come back to her senses. I was really giving her free hands. She will meet people, tell me about them. I wouldn't raise any concern and so on. But I think that's where I got it all wrong. Sincerely, women need you to be marking territory more often than not. Around 2018, she got a new phone and she placed finger locks and passwords all over it. I didn't see it as anything at the moment as I knew that any time that I wanted to go through it, I would just ask. Around the same period, she started accusing me of infidelity. I never knew that she was accusing me of what she was doing. She would go through all of my texts and chats even though there wasn't anything. She would still want to make trouble. With any female name that she finds there or she sees, I saw myself explaining every single text and call and I wondered what had come over my wife. The pressure was so much, I couldn't be it anymore. One evening, I came back from work and a little discussion we had and she turned it into all those your girlfriends. You think I don't know about Laura? Just continue. And I told her, if I had something to hide, I would start with changing my passwords, which you know. But then, you are the one that has fingerprints and passwords all over your phone. 
and I can't even access it. As I was talking, I picked up her phone and ended the command. Unlock your phone. The pause and the shock in her eyes were new. Like she had just encountered a ghost. She didn't see it coming. And she never prepared for it. She tried to put up resistance. Why, why do you want to read my chats? But I wasn't going back. Mean-faced, low voice, while anger was growing rapidly, I asked again, unlock your phone. My anger could be terrible. But since I met and married Rosie, I tried to bury it. She only hears the tales and probably imagines it. But she was just about to witness it firsthand. She finally unlocked the phone with her right index finger. I collected it back and started browsing through. seeing messages and love chats what is all this I thundered she started making a baby face the face children make when they have offended and they know they are going to be punished oh god oh my god is this my wife's soul that I am going through she was quiet and weak I got to a chat with one mic and I couldn't believe it. My wife, my wife was sex chatting and sending nude pictures to him. I thought if this guy knew I existed. And then I saw the part where the guy was insulting me and my bowed head. And my wife was just laughing. So the guy actually knew that she was married. They had even concluded an arrangement to see the next day because she knew that I was going out of town for a project. I started raising my voice and shouting at her while she began sobbing and begging me. I also discovered how she starts most of the chats. When she sends them new month messages, they remember to continue posting her from where they stopped the last time. When I probed for her, with the whole setting of, I will kill you if you dare lie to me, she admitted sleeping with Mike once. In that rage, my heart was pumping blood as fast as my chest was rising and falling. I gave her a dirty slap with my whole might. Jesus Christ, she exclaimed, holding her cheek and sinking to the ground. The tempo of her cries and sobbings increased. Mucus was running freely down her face and the anger was still there full and I needed to release it. 
I didn't want to, want to hit her again. So I started hitting my hand on the wall. Suddenly, I decided to leave the house to avoid doing something that I was going to regret. So I bent over to pick my car keys that was on the table. As I reached for it and turned to move, she held my leg so tightly, begging me not to leave, that I should rather beat her again and again. She kept on accusing the devil, begging me with everything that she could remember. I tried to drag my leg off her grip, but she held it so tight. I had to apply harsh force and push her off. Please, hit me. Hit me as hard as you can. Hit me as hard as you can. I want to feel how you are hurting. Still sobbing and cleaning her mucus face on my body. I know you don't deserve the hurt I caused you. I am so sorry. Please, say something. My love, please say something. I turned to her, not knowing what she looked like again, and said, Don't call me your love ever again. And then I pushed her off. Maybe she wasn't expecting it. But she said she wanted to feel pain without resistance to atone for her sins. And she did. She fell and she hit her head against the center table, breaking the glass and her head simultaneously. As I turned to leave, I heard the shattering sound of the glass. I turned and my Rosie was gasping for air. Blood was running profusely from her head. Oh my God, I have killed her. Oh my God, I have killed her. Was all I was shouting. I called out for help. My neighbors gathered and helped me put her in the car. While mommy busy was there shouting, You will not go free. You will not go free. You have killed her. You will not go free. Her husband shouted at her to keep quiet. But no way. She continued. You want to kill her and bring in another woman, Abby? You will not go free. Every single time, she will be complaining of your infidelity. Now, you have finally succeeded and you have killed her. As we drove to the hospital, I held her head in my arms holding the towel firmly to reduce blood rush. I couldn't hold my tears or control my emotions as I cried like a baby. I kept looking into her eyes and tapping her head, not to close her eyes as Butchie had instructed. Baby, please, I am sorry. I didn't mean to. I am sorry, Rosie, please. I'm sorry I hurt you. I didn't mean to. I kept murmuring. But still, in a state, she was slowly saying, I'm sorry. I brought this upon us. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I tried to close 
her mouth with my other hand. I have forgiven you, dear. Please stop talking. Save your strength, please. She will be fine, Miko. I was begging God with everything that I could remember to save her life. Even if the marriage scatters, I still wanted her alive. I kept crying. At another instance, I thought God wouldn't want a broken home. Then I also pledged to take her back if God keeps her alive. We got to the hospital. The nurses rushed out and brought a stretcher. As they rode her in, she held my arms, looking into my eyes and told me, All I want is your forgiveness. Please find a place in your heart to forgive me. I could feel she was using her last breath. I promise never to hold it against you, my love. I swear on my mother's grave. Before I could finish, they rolled her in and closed the theater door. I called her people and they came with police and dragged me from the hospital straight to the cell. She was placed on intensive care and life support. While she was fighting for her life in the hospital, I was fighting for my life in court. They managed to win the case and on judgment day, news came that she was dead. The case changed from attempted murder to murder and landed me life imprisonment. As I learned she was dead, I made up my mind for any judgment. I wasn't putting up any fight anymore. I told my lawyer to chill out and allow the judge to do her will. The judge was so disciplined and strict and she told me how she derives joy in sending people like me behind bars. Here we are. After five years, Rosie came to see me. I was so shocked to see her. She explained how she has been in coma since then. It got to a time they thought she was dead. And after pronouncing her dead, her elder brother came and insisted that they put her back on oxygen, that his sister wasn't dead. And after much arguments, they allowed him to have, to have his way. After all, the hospital needed money and Jacob was willing to pay anything. After two days, they started getting some pulse again and it took another three years for her to fully regain her body control. She called back the case and it was revisited. They pardoned me and I was discharged and acquitted. I will be leaving here tomorrow. But because of the promise I made to God, 
I'll be living with her again after we visit the village to settle things traditionally so that I don't die when I eat her food. There is indeed a traditional right to perform if a wife sleeps out. If it's ignored, the man will fall sick and he will die. This is one of the biggest reasons why a man's infidelity does not have grave consequences like a woman's own. So I was told. The end. Hope you enjoyed it, guys. This is fresh out from the stables of Mega Mentality Productions. Mr. Bond. See you next Friday.